to do anything else professionally. But thinking that I wouldn't have to was ridiculous. Of course I'd have to work jobs to survive. <sighs> I've been so upset at times when I've been sitting in, a, in an office chair or behind a desk or in front of a hostess stand. <laughs> I didn't want to do it. I never wanted to do a nine to five or anything like that because then I felt like I was failing. I never considered my why I was doing it. Well, in order for me to go after those dreams, I needed to make sure I could live. Food, shelter, the basic needs. When you get those things, it makes it possible to follow the dreams. When I could, I remembered that the money that I was earning directly influenced my path toward success. I was able to be thankful for that job, whatever it was. Hmm. Everything I've done in life is taking me directly to where I'm supposed to be. Well, my guest today, a family man, poet, author, and statistician, found his why long ago. I'll let him tell you all about it. Everybody, introducing Kellen Parham. Kellen Parham, welcome to the PPC podcast. Uh, Thank you. Ah, so happy to uh, have you with me, my uh, friend Malik Ismail, who is such a wonderful supporter of of uh, the radio that I've done. He's been a guest. He and his wife uh, are wonderful people with the Vanguard show. Introduced me to you, um, and I'm very thankful for that. Um, 
since this is a self-help platform, I want to go back to the beginning before we even get into what you do and who you are today. Tell me about where you're from, what your childhood looked like. Um, originally from Atlanta, um, the east side of Atlanta, Decatur, Georgia. You kind of have to be specific because you, you know, out of towners, they'd be like, "Yeah, you're really not from Atlanta." Well, yes, I'm from the suburbs of Atlanta. Um, so I, I grew up in uh, in Decatur through elementary all the way through about to go to high school. Um, that area was it wasn't like rough, but they had some rough areas <laughs> nearby and. So it was a lot of things that, you know, I was introduced to um, that I feel like other children, like my children probably would never experience. Um, and then I went to, we moved to Stone Mountain and I stayed there for high school. And um, then I graduated high school and went to Georgia Southern University, which is some small college town, which is like 45 minutes west of Savannah. And, um, so it was there at college where I kind of um, found my love for like writing and because I went there for mathematics. Well, originally I went there for computer science and I realized that I really didn't like computer science as much. And it was just a lot going on as well. Like I was coming from an all black environment and then I went to a PWI and now all of my classmates are, you know, white. And so it was like this culture shock for me, a lot of adjustments and, um, but eventually, um, like I, I started doing math and I enjoyed it, but then it got to the point where math was no longer like numbers. It was just, it was like proofs and things where you'll see like in these movies, uh, I can't remember, it's like this movie, but generally you have this guy on the board and all you see is like this really long written out equations. And it's like, so it's all of that was kind of like that. And it was overwhelming. Um, and it was, I kind of had like other family things happening with the death in the family. And so it was a lot. And I kind of was going through like a depression, depression type state where I was dealing with depression. And my way of handling it was to write it down and write how I felt. And so it was like writing and poetry all just kind of became my outlet um, for helping me deal with certain emotions. Cause I was always, I was always that introverted type person so I didn't really share how I felt with other people and even like verbal communication was always difficult for me because I always felt like I was like a rambler type person um but being able to write things down I was able to actually see the words that came out and it was able to digest it better and even if I wrote something I could always delete it but if I was to say it out loud then I can't necessarily take the words back and then it makes the conversation you know um, not not understandable, I guess. Um, but so writing was always that comfort where I just felt like I could just, it was like no rules. I could just write wherever I wanted and how I felt. And afterwards I read it and I'm like, oh wow. Like um, I feel totally better. Or I don't feel the same, you know, feelings anymore. I might even be embarrassed by some things I've written, but it's just the fact that it made me feel better. Um, so that's kind so of when you were a younger, much younger, did you ever find yourself writing down ditties or did it just occur um, to you once you were writing in college? So with elementary school, um, I used to like writing, but it wasn't like anything that I actually, it wasn't like on my forefront, like in my mind, like I was more so just concerned about playing sports. 
Um, but in elementary school, I did get like a Young Georgia's uh, Authors Award. Um, so apparently, I, I think I may have written like a, a short story or something. I'm not really sure, but but yeah, there are stories. My mom would be like, um, I would just write something in like a notepad and it would be like totally illegible. But I'd be like, mommy, read this, read this. And then she'll start reading it. And then she'd be like, and then I'd be like, mommy, that's not how the story goes. But like, she would always tell me that I, you know, I always had like a, a love for writing. Like I would just, cause I remember what I remember was just, I would have like, I remember one time I had a notepad and I was at my dad's house and I would just write my name over and over and over again. That, that would be like something that I would just sit down and do. Um, but actually writing like, like serious, like writing real stories or poetry and that type of nature. It wasn't anything like that, but I did used to have that spell where I'll write like rap lyrics or something, <laughs> um, which they weren't good. But what I realized is that it allowed my mind, I guess, to expand to actually being creative, I guess, you know? Um, Cause even now when I don't have, when I feel like I don't have anything to write, I can still just just jot down whatever comes out and then you get to a point where, oh wow, like I'm actually having thoughts, like things are coming into my mind. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much how I've been, I guess. So you've you've been writing, I think you said something about like 25 years or something like that. So you've been, you've been writing for quite a while and um, I know you've recently uh, got a book out there. By the way, I have um, listened to to your uh, videos on um, TikTok where you recite some of your poetry. And I heard you mention something about rap. There's a it, there, there's obvious difference between the styles of writing when writing poetry versus, or spoken word versus rap. Um, what made you know that that was the direction you were supposed to take instead of going into that, that cultural uh, phenomenon that was happening when we were coming up? Um, well, my lyrics in rap were like really bad. Like, um, like I wasn't like, you know, it, I had no intentions on it being, it was just something to do because I was bored. Um, so it just gave me something to do. And then it was this moment where um, I was okay. So I was walking, I was a freshman, I believe. And I was walking to this girl's dorm. It was like late. And then I started like reciting these lines in my head and I was like, hold on, this sounds really good. Like it was like, a, a, this poetry, that's not actually, and I like, this sounds really good. So I think I actually turned around, I went back to my dorm and I, I wrote it down. Um, and it's the title of the poem is Dear My Lady. And I actually included that in his book. Um, but that was like the very first poem that I wrote that I was proud of because it actually, it was very thought out and it it sounded good. And then I shared it with other people and they really loved it. And so I was like, hmm, maybe I do have a thing where I can actually write something that's meaningful, um, that's actually good. And so from there I started doing it a little bit more seriously um, in as far as poetry, um, not just as something just to do out of boredom. Um, but then eventually like, as time was going on, as I said, I had like a death in the family. So like my cousin, had, he, he was uh, shot and killed. Um, and it really affected me mentally. And also on top of that, and then with school being difficult and me not doing as well as I wanted to do in school, as I was capable of, um, I just needed an outlet. And so I started taking writing a lot more serious. 
and then we I met some a group of friends so like poetry like introduced me to a lot of new people um and so I have these guys who just transferred to our college from FAMU and they wanted to start an online uh, on-campus organization um for poetry and um it was called Neocentric Souls Poetry Troop and so I joined like I was like yeah definitely like I didn't even know these people but I was like yeah definitely I'm down and so eventually it got approved and it was a home uh on-campus organization, like official on-campus organization. And so we'll spend a lot of time together. Uh, we have like writing sessions and we're just, you know, people being there writing poetry or singing songs. We had a guy who played a guitar and sang and it was, it was really nice experience. And then we do shows around campus. And so it also gave me like this extra sense of purpose and uh, uh, added to my, um, like, I feel like, you know, self-worth and I feel like I could contribute to, you know, something in life other than just struggling in math or something like, but so that's when like, you know, poetry, I was like, yes, like, um, it was like that gradual build up to that led up to those moments that, you know, it also, having that outlet also helped me academically as well, because then I was able to channel all those negative thoughts I had and put it in something that was positive and meaningful. And it freed up my ability to hunker down and you know focus on my academics too at the same time um but then eventually I got to the point where all I cared about was poetry and so I had to like you know I need to focus on graduation so I pretty much like stopped writing and I just said you know what all the distractions I need to just cut them all out so like fraternity stuff I stopped doing I stopped hanging out I stopped you know just I had to prioritize my academics a lot more and so um but being able to have that clear headspace really helped me to be like okay yes I'm good now so let me just you know hunker down and so I was able to graduate and then I went to grad school and I still like I dabbled a little bit with poetry but I still kept a journal um so I would just write down anything nothing really like serious um but just I feel like poetry I always tell people like poetry kind of like saved my life not like in a literal sense but in a you know, just being able to have that clear mind space to where I could just, you know, think about what I need to do and prioritize things and being able to function. So your uh, latest is the lover, a lover's truce. And it is obviously dealing with all things romantic love or, or love between two people. So obviously men have been writing about love for as long as men write, but when we usually think of, of romantic love, we think of women writers these days. So I, I find it very interesting from a point of view of a black man, an American black man writing about this. Um, what made you decide to tackle that subject matter? Did it have anything to do with your beautiful wife and children? And and how did that come about? Um, well, I was always writing. So I, w I don't just always write about love. So um, originally, this book is just like a small collection of what I actually wrote um, in the beginning. And it wasn't until I was like on the verge of like publishing, like self-publishing, that I realized like just going through it, I was like, hold on, I, these, these love poems are here that have their own little story within itself. And I could just, you know, pull these out and have it as a separate book. Um, so like the other books, other poems I write, you know, is me dealing with being a black man in America, um, 
me dealing with grief or me writing things to motivate myself or you know those other aspects of life um but as far as the love poems it was just it's not just what i'm going through in my my current marriage or anything it's like a culmination of all my relationships that i've ever had or even friendships are um, just using my imagination. Just, um, you know, some things that inspire me are like, you know, songs and music, I mean, songs and movies. Um, so I draw and I pull from a lot of different, you know, aspects. And I, as I put this book together, I realized like the book is kind of like the, the transitions of relationship. It's like when you meet somebody, you know, you're infatuated with them and you're thinking about them a lot and you have a lot of things you want to say to them. And, so it's some poems in there that's like that, where it's just like, you know, that factuation stage. And then then there are stages where you are now together and, you know, y'all in love. And then, you know, it gets to a point where a relationship where things get rocky. You don't know, like, if the relationship's gonna, you know, keep going or it's gonna end. So um, as I was pulling together, it was like, you know, I realized that that's kind of how, like, the flow and the, the story was telling overall. And it was just like, because I've had, I've experienced all of those, you know, transitions. And so it's like, I've was writing um, from personal experiences and from just using my imagination, just, you know, adding on just like a storyteller or something like that. So it's not necessarily personal, but um, it's just building off of those things. And I, I like music too, so. I knew a poet once and well, okay, let's be real. I dated a poet for a long time and he, he never once wrote anything about me. Uh. And I mean, he dedicated old poetry to me, but I always was like, I don't inspire him at all. Do you ever deal, does your, your wife say, did you write for that for me or, or anything like that? Because I know you know, when you're in a relationship and you're writing about love, you know, even though I'm sh you've been writing for 25 years, I don't think you guys have been together that long. I might be wrong, but does she ever want that from you? Uh, we never really discussed it. Like, I'm more of a, when it comes to writing, I'm more of a private person, I guess. Like, I really, like, I write for me. Mm -hmm. um, and I really don't always have that want to share with other people. Mm. Um, like even like with this whole book thing, like I did that for myself and I wasn't even going, I was just going to publish it and never tell anybody about it. And it was just going to live on Amazon. i will be perfectly fine with that. Um, so we never really like discussed it, but there are some poems in there that has been, um, that was definitely inspired from my relationship, my current relationship. Um, it may not necessarily be like romantic poems, but it'll be like, um, some moments where I feel like we may be having a disagreement or, you know, and I may be feeling, you know, she may express how she feel um, based on what my actions were and how I responded to her. And I will write a poem kind of from her perspective and I'll be writing it to like, this is how I internalize like what she may feel. It may not be, cause I will also add, you know, fluff to it or add, you know, my own imagination to it as well. So it'll be rooted in like a real feeling of, this is my interpretation of how I may be treating her or something like that. And so it's like, I'm writing from 
like from her perspective and just adding the new some things into it um so yeah i have been inspired by uh, my current relationship Mm -hmm. um let me let me ask you this so when you uh are inspired do you do you have use your phone notes on your phone do you have paper always at your how do you get these thoughts as they come because i know with me sometimes if i don't get something down right away it's gone yes i understand so yeah i have my phone which is great i like that really helped a lot um so i have a a notes app like google notes so it's great because i could just pull my phone out anywhere i'm at and I could just start typing like little lines here and there. And then it's also saved in the cloud. So if I go to any computer, I can always get to that as well. Um, and then also when I go out, for, ex- for example, Monday through Friday, uh, my daughters do gymnastics. And so their gymnastics practice like three hours long. And so me and my wife would were, were take turns. And so when it's my days to go gymnastics, I have uh, a bag, what I call it my writer's bag. I have a bunch of books in there and then I have uh, a sketchbook um, where I'll just sometimes I'll just if I'm in a mood I just sit down and write whatever or I read um, and that generally you know what I do and then the thing the, the, the I feel like when I have when I go to sleep and I wake up in the middle of the night oh I have a dream I have a dream and it's like wow I'm singing this great song these great lyrics and some of the lyrics like I'll wake up and I'll be like man I forgot it or I'll wait I just and I, you know what sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night I just have to grab my phone and just write it down as much as I can to remember mm-hmm. um but yeah like having the phone just having that ability to just have the phone there um it helps a lot um just just write sometimes just it could just be one line it could just it doesn't even have to mean anything it's just you know but then it's like I go back to if I'm actually in the mood and writing something I could just go back through all of my notes or different things I wrote down here and there and you know I have a I have a friend she'll write like she'll be at a red light and she'll just write on her leg and I was like what really she's like yes yeah. like she'll write like a poem on her leg she'll she has like a whole bunch of napkins where she'd be at like a restaurant or a bar and then she was just like pulling them all out of her bag and it was just like all kind of poems and scribbles on it so it's just you know it's like one of those moments where you just write on anything like i remember doing that in college too we would just go out to you know hanging out at a bar or something i just have a napkin Mm -hmm. um and so it just so if you okay you've had some success you you people are you have attention from this what would you say to a young aspiring poet uh what has kept you engaged in this part of your life um a friend of mine, she was always telling me, uh, she told me to remember your why. So remember, you know, like remember why you're doing what you're doing. Um, because sometimes I just like, it was moments where I had to wake up every day and be like, you know what, I am a writer, I'm a poet, you know, and regardless if I'm writing a day or not, but it's just like, I have to think back on, I think about, I do a lot of self-reflection. So I'll think about like where I was last, last year at this time, because, after the the death of my brother-in-law that was kind of like kind of kicked into gears like the spark that make me made me go back into writing again like writing a lot more but just to remember like why i started writing and why i'm doing it like i'm not doing it for you know an audience i'm not doing it for you know it's not doing it for any money or to sell books or anything it's just like it was always therapy for me it was something fun to do and it just made me feel good so 
really is just about doing what makes you feel good because just writing and never sharing it is enough. Like you don't have to necessarily share what you write. You could just journal. You don't have to write poetry. You could just, you know, just get those thoughts out. Um, so it's just, you know, just remembering why you're doing what you're doing. Um, don't worry about if you have writer's block. Um, it's like, cause if I met us like, one thing I've been meeting, like a lot of local creatives. And so one guy, a photographer, he was saying, I was saying like, yeah, man, I was just scared. Like if I just stop writing, I might not ever write again. Um, but he was like, you know, you've written before, like you've been writing, like, even if you don't write, like you have to trust yourself that, you know, you're going to write again. Like something's going to come out, like, you know, cause I had a friend, he's doing, he was doing art class, doing something for art class, a project. And he said that he couldn't think of anything to paint. And it was just like, it kind of came down to like the last minutes of the, de of the deadline, I guess. And he just had this crazy painting that was really dope. And it was just like moments like those, it's like, you know, you have to remind yourself of like, you know, like you just trust yourself more. So, um, yeah. Your audio went out. Sorry about that. Uh, I think that's great advice. Um, we are excited to share your poem. We're going to share uh, Planetary Wonders. Uh, and thank you so much for coming with me today. Look forward to having you on the PPC radio show November 16th with Shelly Shell Williams, DJ Kid Disco, and I on www.thegrownfolksradio.com. That's the PPC radio show, two to three Wednesday. Please uh, come on out, everyone. Thank you, Kellen, for all you're doing and um, keep it up because you're inspiring so many. Thank you. It hurts, but I can still find peace. Black lives stripped from their communities to make space for luxury high-rise condominiums occupied by Black Lives Matter sign-toting white lives who call themselves our allies. Flags waving and raging for unity from their balconies, overlooking boarded windows, stones hinged in tattered yards adjacent to vacant lots which sprout million dollar homes as beautiful and untamed as blue bonnets. And in some sections of Texas, they possess more lawful protections than the very same black woman baby man who once tilled and built stone monuments on that exact patch of land. It was the tears of our praying grandmother that filled buckets lined with soap when she cleaned the baseboards in the homes across the railroad of the grandparents of those same white folks where they still reside warmly, blanketed by a generational wealth of iniquity which their white grandbabies, our allies, will eventually call an inheritance. She once rocked them white babies to sleep when they wept fed and clothed them. They even suckled from her brown breast while her own brown children roamed their blighted black streets, starving, hustling in every bustling black back alleyway where a dollar could be made in peace. And peace they found in pieces on edges overlooking the sleeping squalor, the grimiest of conditions, pits of grief, which her brown grandbabies will eventually call an inheritance. 
Several of those same alleys are parking lots today, filling up with white motorists who anxiously awaits a black history commemorative parade. And as the route passes grandma's lot, somehow I can still hear her voice singing from the rose bushes. She watered with joyful tears, hummed and whispered her morning hymns. That's when my heart connected with something unusual. A pot cradling radiant orange and gold petal petunias sat perfectly still, freely, unfazed by the turbulent wind, brisking the patio of a wild, untamed, expensive-ass, well-protected, beautiful, blue-bonnet bungalow, which our Black Lives Matter sign-toting white lives, allies, cause, and investments. Reminded me that in spite of my anger, I can still find beauty and peace here, and that even in her absence, I can still feel her presence. See, that, that wasn't just any ordinary pot. That pot, that pot was also molded and cradled by grandma's hands. Why has been my favorite word throughout my life? Okay, not really. My most dreaded word. (laughs) I don't like to feel in the dark about anything in life. But when I understand my whys, you know, why I feel a certain way, why I do a certain thing, why I make the choices that I make, I feel empowered by that. Even when my whys change, and they have, as I've evolved, my whys have evolved. I used to work regular jobs just for the money, honey, period. Now I work for the experiences in meeting new people and finding new stories to tell. I used to write solely for myself. It was therapy. Now, not always, I write to hopefully connect to others. I used to take care of others because that's what I was told I was supposed to do. Now it's because I realize that when I help someone else, it helps me. Knowing my whys and why I do what I do is how I stay grounded and inspired. This is Cinda, and I want to tell you about the PPC Radio Show. Every Wednesday from 2 to 3 Eastern, DJ Kid Disco, Shelly Shell Williams, and I sit down and talk with wonderful guests from all over the world. We talk about how to survive healing your heart and everything in between. So go to www.thegrownfolksradio.com to listen in, or you can watch us live on Facebook or YouTube. That's the PPC Radio Show from 2 to 3 Eastern. See you there. Well, that's it for another PPC podcast. Thank you again to Kellen Parham for joining me today and sharing his beautiful and touching poetry. To hear more from him, 
Join us Wednesday, November 16th from 2 to 3 Eastern on the PPC Radio Show. That's on www.thegrownfolksradio.com, Facebook and YouTube Live. God bless you all. Until next time, that's a wrap.